Welcome to the EAU podcast. In this edition, we have Professor Christian Radmeyer, Chair of the EAU Guidelines Panel for Pediatric Urology, discussing undescended testes. Undescended testes are considered to be quite common among boys. How frequent are they? Cryptorchidus morandescendi testis is one of the most common congenital malformations of male neonates. The incident varies and depends on gestational age, affecting up to 5% of full-term and 45% of preterm neonates. Following the spontaneous descent within the first months of life, nearly 1% of all full-term male infants still have undescended testis at one year of age. This congenital malformation, in addition, may affect both sites in up to 30% of cases. What are the reasons for undescended testes? Underlying causes for undescended testes are multifactorial. First of all, one need to know that during fetal development, the so-called common anlagen are present in the abdomen and under the influence of various genes and hormones, mainly androgens, the bipotential gonad is differentiating into a testicle and subsequently migrates all the way down to the scrotum. That descent is necessary for normal spermatogenesis later on in life because that requires a 2 to 3 degree centigrade cooler environment which is only present in the scrotum. How can undescended testes be classified? From the clinical point of view, the most useful classification is simply distinguishing between palpable and non-palpable testes. Approximately 80% of all undescended testes are palpable. And these include true undescended testes as well as ectopic ones. The first ones include all testes that were halted on the normal proper way down to the scrotum, whereas the latter ones refer to undescended testes outside their normal path. A special group of palpable testes are the so-called retractile testes. They have completed their descent, but they can be found again in a suprascrotal position. And this is due usually to an overactive cremasteric reflex. Retractile testes can be easily manipulated down to the scrotum and they remain there at least temporarily. But they are typically normal in size and consistency. However, they have to be monitored carefully since up to one-third can ascend and become undescended. Non-palpable testes, on the other hand, include intra-abdominal, sometimes inguinal, which cannot be palpated, maybe because of too much fatty tissue, and sometimes also ectopic testes. In addition, they can be absent as well, which is mainly due to atrophy after intrauterine torsion. The term vanishing testes is commonly used for this condition. Another possibility for an absent testis is testicular agenesis, but that is rather rare and marked by absent testicular vessels. What are important measures for diagnostic evaluation of a boy with undescended testes? History taking and physical examination are key in evaluating boys with undescended testes. An undescended testis is pursued by carefully advancing the examining fingers along the inguinal canal towards the pubic region. Perhaps you use the help of a lubricant. A possible inguinal testis, they can be felt sort of bouncing under the fingers. A non-palpable testis in a supine position may become palpable once the child is in a sitting or squatting position. If no testes can be identified along the normal path of descent, possible ectopic locations must be considered. 
In the event of unilateral non-palpable testes, the contralateral one needs to be examined carefully. Any compensatory hypertrophy suggests testicular absence or atrophy. Nevertheless, this does not preclude surgical exploration since the sign of compensatory hypertrophy is not specific enough. Is there a place for any imaging studies? Imaging studies cannot determine with certainty that a testis is present or not. Consequently, the use of different imaging modalities, such as ultrasound or even MRI, is limited and only recommended in very specific and selected clinical scenarios like identification of malarian structures in cases with suspicion of DSD. When should one start treating undescended testes? Treatment should be started at the age of six months. After that age, undescended testes rarely descend. Any kind of treatment leading to a scrotal liposition testis should be finished by 12 months with 18 months the latest, because histological examinations have revealed a progressive loss of germ cells and lytic cells, which might impair fertility in the future. The early timing, in addition, is also driven by the risk of tumor development. Is there a place for non-surgical therapy? Medical therapy depends on the effect of androgens on testicular descent. The success rate with regards to scrotal positioning is only 20%, but it must be taken into account that almost 20% of these descended testes have the risk of reascending later. So, in general, success rates depend pretty much on testicular location. The higher the testis is located prior to therapy, the lower the success rate. So, the EAU Guidelines Panel for Pediatric Urology Consensus is that endocrine treatment to achieve testicular descent is not recommended. However, hormonal treatment may improve fertility index, which may be a predictor for fertility later in life, and therefore serve as an additional tool to orchidopexy. But it is still under debate whether this effect on testicular histology persists into adulthood. So, the consensus of the EAU Guidelines Panel for Pediatric Urology is to recommend endocrine treatment with GnRH analogues for boys with bilateral endocrine testes to preserve the fertility potential. What are the options for surgical therapy? The standard principles for palpable testes include orchidophonicolysis and orchidopexy, either via an inguinal or scrotal approach. The scrotal one is mainly reserved for low-positioned undescended testes. Inguinal orchidopexy is indeed a widely used technique with a high success rate of more than 90%. Important steps include mobilization of the testis and spermatic cord up to the level of the internal inguinal ring, dissection and division of all cremasteric fibers, and detachment of the gubernaculum. The patent processus vaginalis needs to be ligated, otherwise it may become an important factor leading to failure of orchidopexy. Any additional pathology has to be taken care of as well, such as removal of an appendix testis. How do you proceed with non-palpable testes? For non-palpable testes, surgery must clearly determine whether a testis is present or not. And if a testis is found, the decision needs to be made either to remove it or to bring it down to the scrotum. An important step, of course, 
is a thorough re-examination once the boy is under general anesthesia, since a previously non-palpable testis might become palpable and change the surgical approach to standard orchidopexy. Otherwise, the easiest and most accurate way to locate an intra-abdominal testis is diagnostic laparoscopy. Subsequent removal or orchidopexy can be carried out during the same session to achieve the therapeutic aims. During laparoscopy for non-palpable testis, possible anatomical findings include spermatic vessels entering the inguinal canal in about 40%, in another 50% an intra-abdominal or peeping testis, and in about 10% blind-ending spermatic vessels confirming vanishing testis. In case of vanishing, the procedure is finished once blind-ending spermatic vessels are clearly identified. If the vessels enter the inguinal canal, then inguinal exploration is the next step. A peeping testis can be placed down in the scrotum laparoscopically or via an inguinal incision. Placement of an intra-abdominal testis can sometimes be a surgical challenge. Usually, testis lying approximately 2 cm above the internal inguinal ring, they may not reach the scrotum without division of testicular vessels. Under such circumstances, a Fowler-Stevens orchidopexy may be an option. Proximal cutting and transection of the vessels with conservation of the collateral arterial blood supply via the differential artery and cremasteric vessels comprise the key features of such a Fowler-Stevens procedure. But due to the nature of this approach, the testis is of course at risk of hypotrophy or even atrophy, especially when performing a one-stage procedure. The advantages of two-stage orchidopexy with the second part done usually six months after the first one are to allow for development of collateral blood supply and to create greater testicular mobility. In addition, preservation of the gubernaculum may also decrease the chance of testicular atrophy. What are common complications of surgical therapy? Surgical complications are usually uncommon, with testicular atrophy being the most serious one. A systematic review revealed an overall atrophy rate for primary orchidopexy of 1.8%. This increases to 28% for one-stage Fowler-Stevens procedure and approximately 8% for the two-stage approach. Other rare complications comprise testicular ascent and vast deference injuries besides local wound infection, dehiscence or hematoma formation. What about surgical therapy for undescended testes after puberty? A study on 51 men diagnosed with inguinal unilateral undescended testes and a normal contralateral one with no history of any previous therapy demonstrated a wide range of changes upon histological evaluation. Nearly half of the study population still had significant germ cell activity at different maturation levels. But importantly, the incidence of intratubular germ cell neoplasia was 2%. So, the EAU Guidelines Panel on Pediatric Urology Consensus recommends orchidectomy in postpubertal boys with one undescended testis and a normal contralateral one in a scrotal position. Why is timely treatment for undescended testes important at all? There are two issues that are really important for proper and timely treatment. First of all, the association of undescended testes with compromised fertility. 
Although boys with one undescended testis have a lower fertility rate, they have the same paternity rate as those with bilateral descended testis. But boys with bilateral undescended testis, they suffer both lower fertility and paternity rates. The age at which surgical intervention occurs seems to be an important predictive factor for fertility. So, timely orchidopexy before 12 months of age and by 18 months at the latest does definitely count for preservation of fertility potential. On the other hand, boys who are treated for an undescended testis have an increased risk of developing testicular malignancy. So, screening and self-exam both during and after puberty is recommended. A large Swedish study with a cohort of almost 17,000 men who were treated surgically for undescended testis showed that the management before the onset of puberty decreases the risk of testicular cancer. The relative risk for those who underwent orchidopexy before 13 years of age was 2.2 compared to the Swedish general population, but this increased to 5.4 for those treated after 13 years of age. So finally, what are your take-home messages for healthcare professionals dealing with undescended testes? Well, in summary, an undescended testes justifies treatment early in life to reduce the risks with regard to fertility and paternity potential. In addition, a failed or delayed orchidopexy may increase the risk of testicular malignancy as well. We know that the earlier the treatment, the lower the risk of fertility impairment and testicular cancer. So start and conclude any kind of therapy between the age of 6 months and 12 months with 18 months the latest. The treatment of choice is usually surgical replacement of an undescended testis in the scrotum. Thank you for joining Professor Radmeier for this episode of EAU Podcasts on Undescended Testes. For further information on the EAU guidelines on paediatric urology, please visit our website www.euroweb.org forward slash guidelines. Further podcasts will be posted regularly on EAU guidelines topics. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favourite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates.